Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along this morning as we get into the Word of God, talk about it, pray about it, and allow it to transform our lives. A special welcome to all who are visiting or joining us today for the first time. And if you are, make sure you hit that uh, like button, that notify button, that subscribe button. All those buttons will keep you tuned in with us day after day, allow you to be a part of this group. And we believe that getting in the Word of God each day does transform our lives. Well, we've been talking about overcoming discouragement for the last couple of weeks. And, um, and today I'd like to share with you one of the verses that has been the most transformational in my life as a Christian. Now, when I say that, early on there were some powerful verses that transformed my life in the first maybe two, three, four years of my Christian life. And the first time I heard some of these verses really, really changed the direction of my life. This is one that came a little bit later, maybe uh, maybe closer to 10 years or so into my Christian life. And it, it was new to me, and it changed my way of thinking. This verse is found in Philippians 4, verse 8. Are you ready? Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Or one translation, let your mind dwell on these things or ponder these things. Did you know you can control what you think about? Let that sink in. That is a radical, radical concept for a lot of people. You have the power to control what you think about. Now, the reason that's radical, a lot of people don't think they have any control of their life. They can't control what they desire and lust for. They can't control, uh, they can't control their words. They let words spill out without ever even thinking about it. They can't control their emotions. They get angry. Uh, and so on. They're jerked around by their circumstances. A lot of people don't think they can't control anything about them. But in Galatians chapter 5, we read that the fruit of the Spirit, one of them, the nine fruits of the Spirit, one of them is self-control. And I want you to understand today, you can control in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can control your words, your behavior, and your thoughts. Now, it comes from being filled with the Spirit, and it comes deep within. We'll talk in a moment about what you've got to fill up, but it, it, it is in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me also add that it's not easy to control your thoughts. It takes an awareness of where your thoughts are. So often we think about things, we're not even aware of what we're thinking about. Our mind is racing all over the place, and we're not even aware that that's a sinful thought, or that's a good thought, that's a bad thought, that's, a, that's a, an empowering thought, whatever. We're not even aware often of the thoughts in our mind. So it takes awareness. It takes discipline to, to, and to determine this is a thought I should not be thinking, and instead I'm going to think this thought. It takes discipline. It takes practice. And the more we practice it, more we practice good and right thinking, the more it becomes habitual thinking for us. Just like anything else in life, you, when you practice something over and over and over again, if you do it properly, if you do it right, 
it becomes a habit. It becomes the way you do things. Anything in life, you know, I used to play basketball years ago. I've gotten out of practice. And I was realizing here recently, I was out shooting, difficulty dribbling, difficulty hitting a layup. Some of the things that used to just be second nature to me, I could do them with my eyes closed. I could do them without thinking. They just happened. Why? Because I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced until the things I did with the ball, it just came naturally. And I've gotten out of practice, and now it's not, and I'm kind of re-practicing to, to relearn some of those habits. It's the same with our mind. It's the same with our reactions in life, how we react when things don't go our well. You can, pra- you can be in the habit of just kind of blowing up or reacting, or you can practice and practice and practice the proper way to respond. The scripture talks about discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And this is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And this word discipline is like chapter 5 or 6, excuse me. It's like the word is gymnasio. If I go to the gym, work out, practice, do it over and over again until you learn how to do it properly. Philippians 4.8 has been a verse that I have tried to discipline myself and practice looking at what is true and good and pure and noble and worthy of praise, excellence, and so on. This doesn't come naturally to most of us. Naturally speaking, we find fault. We we are susceptible to lies. We're susceptible to deception. The natural man gravitates towards just the opposite of the things on this list. And we need to, as believers and followers of Christ, we need to discipline ourselves and obey this verse and and learn how to train our minds to think about the things written about in this verse. Number one, what is true? Do you dwell on what is true? Or do you allow yourself to believe those things that are false? Do you search out the truth and make sure that you're guided by the truth? Of course, in our day and age, truth has really been uh, crushed. Truth is the idea of a truth in a postmodern world where many people believe there's no real, actual, authoritative God, then truth becomes whatever we want it to be. Truth becomes all about my perspective. Truth becomes my reality. Truth becomes my feelings. Truth is based on my experiences. If you really believe in God, truth is objective. Truth is, is to discover the reality as God has shown it to us, not the reality as my experiences in a fallen world and, and driven by my fallen emotions makes me think it is. No, we want to deal with the truths as we discover them from God. That's what really matters. Years ago, as I was just learning this verse, and this verse was having a big impact upon me, I heard a uh, a tape by Zig Ziglar. Now, Zig has passed on, graduated to be with the Lord. He was one of the top salesmen and top sales trainers in, 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 at the time and remains to this day uh, a top sales trainer by his tapes and videos and so on. But Zig told a story about being a good finder. We're fault finders. That's natural to us. We're, we're critical people. And he talked about being a a good finder. And this story had a profound effect on me. I'll share it with you now. He talked about a woman who who needed to talk to him uh, because she was about to lose her job. 
Her work, was, work life was terrible. Her experiences at work were terrible. Everything was messed up. Everything was bad. She was about to lose it. And she needed to talk to Zig about her crisis. And she told, told him all these problems with the people at work, all these problems with the work conditions, everything that was bad at her work. And he asked her, um, he said, well, is there anything you like about your work? Let's make a list of things you like. And she said, well, there's nothing I like about my work. Really? He said, there's nothing you like? No, there, I just can't think of anything I like about the work. So we began to ask her a set of questions. He said, do they pay you? Uh, well, yeah, of course they pay me. He said, well, you know, a lot of people, their work is volunteer. So right now you're glad they pay you. Do they pay you minimum wage or above average? Well, yeah, I get paid. I don't get paid minimum wage. I get paid above average. I mean, it's an, it's an office job. And uh, he said, well, write that down. They pay you above average. And, uh, and, and he said, did, did you say office job? And she said, yes. He said, you mean you work indoors? Yes, of course. Well, you know, a lot of people work outdoors. Are you glad you work indoors versus outdoors? Yes. Write it down. You work indoors. He said, now I'm curious. Do they heat the building in the wintertime where you work? Well, of course they do. You know, a lot of people work in warehouses and aren't heated in the wintertime. Write it down. They heat the building. Do they cool the building in the summer? Well, of course they do. Well, a lot of people have to work indoors in hot environments in the summertime. Write it down. He, was, he went through with her all these different things about her work. And he came up with a list of 23 things that she liked about her work. Well, Zig told her, he said, before you go to work each morning, I want you to stand in front of a mirror and I want you to read your list of 23 things you like out loud. I want you to read them out loud before you go to work each day. I want you to do that every single day. That was her assignment. Well, she didn't think it would work, but she decided to give it a try. She had nothing to, nothing to lose because things were already in bad shape. Well, the, Zig didn't see her again for several months. Three or four months later, he saw her again. And uh, she had a better smile on her face, and he asked her how things were going there at work. She said, well, I'll tell you, Zig, things aren't quite out of the woods yet, but you wouldn't believe in the last few months how the people at work have changed. <laughs> well... I hope you caught that. The people hadn't changed. She changed. Her attitude had changed. She had become a good finder. Instead of focusing on the things that she hated at work, she began to focus on the things that she liked about her work, even though they were pretty minimal. They pay me and the buildings heated in the wintertime. It was pretty minimal, but just that change of attitude made a difference in her life. Folks, I really believe this is true. When I used to meet with people for accountability times, it was always, how'd you fail this week? What went wrong this week? Where, where did you sin this week? Uh, how, show me when you were tempted, how did you fail? I stopped doing that a number of years ago. I stopped doing that. I, I don't know if God's so focused on, on our failures. God wants to lift us up. Now when I get with people, I'd rather ask, how'd you win last week? What was the success you had? Tell me a victory you had. Tell me, when, tell me a time you resisted temptation. Now, obviously, if we need to talk about the failures, and, the, and that, we don't ignore that. We don't pretend it didn't happen. We don't live in a lack of reality. But we put the emphasis on the victory. We put the emphasis on what God is doing in your life. Not on where you're failing, but where you're getting victories by God. Folks, God has given you victories. Praise Him for it. 
thank him, focus, magnify the work God is doing in your life. And you will find that work, it just grows and grows and grows from that positive spirit of praising God for what he's done. Somehow, if we're just always focusing on our failures, I don't know, I think we get stuck. That's been my experience. We get stuck. We get discouraged. We get down. Oh, even if we claim, yes, you forgave you, and I magnify you for God that you've forgiven me. It's still, we just seem to be confessing the same things day after day, week after week. Years ago, I came home when I was learning all this. I came home from work one day, and Rosalind had a particularly tough day with the kids. And, you know, we had several kids that were pretty young, and, and you know how that can be. They can, they, they takes a lot of energy to raise kids and a lot of discipline on our part and a lot of positivity and, and a lot of, they can drain you of a lot of emotional energy. And it had been a rough day. The kids had been bickering and fighting and, and things like this. And she was all upset and she was complaining. The kids are this and that, and they're going to turn out bad. And, and it was hard for her. And I said, wait a minute, you can't think that way about our kids. You can't allow yourself to develop a negative spirit towards our kids. And so I, I, I said to her, listen, you can talk to me about any problem they have, but first, I want you to spend time with God. And for every negative thing you see in the kids, I want you to write down and praise God and thank God for two positive things about the kids. All right? Try that in life sometime. Try that with your own kids. Try that with your spouse. Try that with yourself. Try that with your work. Try that with your church. For every negative thing that you need to bring to God, every negative thing you want to bring up and talk about, can you think of two, three, four positive things to thank God and to praise God for that person or that group or whatever? It doesn't mean we ignore the negative. It means we accentuate the positive. We thank God. God is at work. It builds our faith. It changes our attitude. It lifts us up. Roz, when she, she did this, she took it to heart. And I really, really honestly believe that, that her choosing to do that made a difference in how our kids turned out in terms of positive, believing, uh, uh, their own confidence at the, uh, that, they could be, that, they could, that they were a decent human being. <laughs> Folks, I want to encourage you this, Philippians 4.8. It's been a life changer for me. It's been a life changer for Roz. It's been a life changer for our family. It's been a life changer for many people. It is a gem hidden right there in Philippians 4.8 that can cause us to have peace of mind and peace of heart as we learn how to dwell on and let our minds dwell on the good things God is doing, the positive things God is doing, and don't become weighed down and preoccupied with the with the. the the, the problems we see in the world, the problems we see in ourselves or in others. Yes, we do live in a fallen world. And yes, God is, we, yes, there's a lot of work to be done in us, in others, in our families. There's a lot of work to be done. But I've, I've discovered, and I do believe, that as we learn to really also see the positive things God is doing and dwell on the Philippians 4.8 uh, uh, thoughts, that out of that will be fertile ground that of strong faith and praise and encouragement that will just cause us and those around us to blossom and to flourish as the people of God. Amen. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today 
for the great ways you're working. I want to thank you, Lord, for each person on this live stream day after day. I know you're working in their life. And I know, Lord, every one of us, we've got, we've got things that can get us down or discouraged. And yet, Lord, every day we're showing up. We're here. We're getting in your word. We're believing your word. We're trusting your word. We see, Lord, how you've, you are blessing and strengthening and encouraging us. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for victories. We thank you, Lord, we're better people. I really believe this, Lord. We're better people than we were six months ago. Our faith is stronger. Our attitude is better. Our hope is greater. Our love is deeper. I want to thank you, Father. Step by step, little by little, you are changing and transforming us. Father, I want to thank you today that for, for our family, each one here, Lord. We thank you for our brothers, our sisters, our spouses, our children. We thank you, Lord, for who you've brought into our life. We're filled with praise and thankfulness. We want to thank you, Lord, for our jobs, our careers. Thank you, Lord, for the ways you, you are providing for us. Thank you, Lord, for the people that we are around. Lord, so many people are around, people who sometimes literally kill them. And we're so often, I want to thank you for the people that we're around, you surround us in life. I want to thank you for our churches and our church life. Lord, none of them is perfect. There's nothing perfect, Lord. There's not a country. There's not a church. There's not a job. There's not a person who's perfect other than you. And so we fix our mind and dwell on you. But Lord, we have it so well. We have so many things to be thankful for, so many things to be grateful for. Help us, Father, to be good finders. Help us, Lord, to not always be the critic, the fault finder, the, the sour person. Help us, Lord, to inspire and to be inspired. Help us to lift up others and to be lifted up ourselves. Help us, Lord, to be people with our spouse and with our children, to see the blessing they are in our life and to dwell on that, not just on Father's Day or Mother's Day or their birthday or, or some special day, but every day. Help us to be people who see the best and see what you're doing in the lives of others and who bring it out and cause help us to be people, Father, that we would flourish and we would blossom and we would bring that out on others as well, that when they're around, they would flourish. They'd blossom. They'd be inspired. They'd be energized. They'd be lifted up. They'd be better people because they encountered us and they encountered the, the Christ who lives within us. Jesus, we believe your spirit is a life-giving spirit. You are a, you get in us, you give an aroma of life. And we ask you to breathe your life through us today into the lives of others. We pray, breathe encouragement and strength and faith and love and goodness. All these things, breathe them through us, flow through us into the lives of others, we pray. We ask for this. Thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, we pray today. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining me. I'll tell you, all the things we talk about, meditate on this verse. Think about it. Do some self-examination. Catch yourself finding someone. Catch someone today doing something good. Catch yourself doing something good. Catch God doing something worthy of praise today. It'll change your life. Learn to apply Philippians 4.8. It'll lift your spirits. It'll lift the spirits of those around you.
Thanks for being with me today. Again, make sure you subscribe, hit the notify button, hit the like button, um, leave a comment. I always like to know who's there. I always like to read the comments here on the side and at the bottom. Uh, later in the day, I look at them. So I'm always encouraged by that. So if you're watching later, leave a comment. God bless you. And by the way, and share with your friends. Let's tell your friends, if this is blessing you, don't hog the blessing. Pass it on, share it with others, okay? God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. You have a great day. Bye-bye.